This show is a screwball comedy with blue humor, adult situations, and some cussing. For subject matter and show notes, visit patterspod.com. The following events are fake. The story, however, is real. Not enough lobsters? There's plenty of lobsters, uh, that is not in this submarine. <laughs> that sound of me laughing? Well, it's me laughing. In my Vermont motel room, a few states over from my last hunt for clues, enjoying a little known sitcom from the 70s about a butler on a submarine titled. Underserved. I'm surrounded by garbage bags filled with information about Fiona Caruso, the star witness in a case with more twists than a pretzel factory. After a pair of tumultuous outings, I'm kicking back, partaking in a little R and R and R, rest, relaxation. And Ryan. You might notice a lightness in my voice. A relief, even. A self-assured comfort with who I am and what I've achieved so far. Why? Well, sure, I'm not the richest person alive. I'm not the wisest, the smartest, or even the most attractive. And yet still... There's something about what I've done with my own hands, brain, and mouth that make me feel like things are going to be okay. Maybe it's my quarters here at the Lazy Maple Inn. Wood paneling does always put me in a great mood. Maybe it's the above-average in-room coffee maker. Or maybe it's an ace up my sleeve that only I know about. Maybe I got a secret play. A secret that'll make everything, and I mean everything, fall into place. This is Finding Pattersby, a thriller in 10 parts. Chapter three, the rise and fall of Fiona Caruso. Previously on Finding Pattersby. When you find Mr. Pattersby, you'll give this to him. I wrote it and I dedicated it to him. Tell him it's from Sugarbottle. I gotta say, Lydia's manuscript wasn't bad. Basically an erotic thriller set against the backdrop of Y2K. When he left, Luke wasn't alone in that car. She was with him. That damn Fiona Caruso. That's how I knew the party was officially over. 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 If you think about it, in many ways, internet has changed the way we communicate. 
For instance, rather than give me his new physical address after I asked several times, my ex-book agent has agreed to speak with me from video chat on a computer. And I count this as a victory, seeing as how it's been a quarter of a decade since we spoke. And the last time we made contact, it was via butt dial from him. So here I am, laptop on top of my lap, making chit chat with a money man about the new decor in his office, beating around the bush when all I want is for him to take me back to the big leagues, or any leagues for that matter. Till then, I guess I gotta play a little ball in the game of listening to a slick talker show off, peacock, and brag. You like that? Mario Andretti washing his race car in heaven. Wow, yeah. JJ, that's a lovely painting. I, I really dig all this charoscuro going on. Got it for a song at a swap meet. That's Jay Jordan St. Avalon, my former book agent on video chat. A self-described hustle machine, rise and grinder, and bad boy entrepreneur. He's referring to a new piece of artwork he acquired recently while accidentally butt-dialing me from a flea market. I have to admit, the painting of race car driver Mario Andretti and its Formula One vehicle covered in suds and bubbles in some kind of afterlife, it looks great. I mean, like, gorgeous. But I didn't log on to talk art, and I think Jordan knows that. I got a level with you, Rye Guy. You are persona non grata these days. Your name is Mud, baby. Less than Mud, actually. People know Mud. Mud is fun. Mud is sexy. Mud I could get a meeting for. Anyway, you. Well, let's just say as far as employable liquids go, you're somewhere between mercury leaking out of a thermometer and, I don't know, poison puke. I felt like he was building up to something. And then he dropped the bomb. If the J-Train don't chugga-chugga for free, amigo, you still owe me back pay. Jordan's absolutely right. In the eyes of a money man, I'm no better than wet dirt. And I agree, until I make things right, this ain't his problem. Besides, I need something I can move. You got pages for me? Um... Oh, you don't got writer's block or something, do you? No. Back in the day, word got out you had writer's block, oh, they'd take you out back and POW! Like a horse. Like a common horse, Ryan. Um, I, I do. I, I have something. It's all done. <laughs> do you? Because last time you gave me pages, let's just say uh, Clinton was in the oh, oh, oval office. <laughs> That's my Clinton. What do you think? I, I do got pages. 500 of them. Oh, 500. That's more than 400 by a lot, JJ. Likey. It's a, a, a techno thriller, but uh, sexy, about a computer virus that gets unleashed uh, on New Year's Eve. Just have to dot a few eyes, you know? Nerdy and horny. You are speaking my lingo. Yeah. <laughs> I hold my breath for his response. And... I'm encouraged to see JJ lean forward like he's ready to talk turkey. Tell you what, I'll check out some pages if, say, you get me 15k. Alright, that's 10% of what you owe me minus interest plus reverse interest times two. 
Aw, oh, come on, JJ. I told you, I don't got that kind of money. Then I don't got that kind of timing. There must be something you can do for old time's sake. Alright, I don't normally do this for clients, but since I like you, I will allow you to mail me your credit cards and add my name to your account so I can use them too. Um, okay, sure. Done. Then maybe I'll take a look at some pages, but only if you got a finished manuscript. You feel me? Yes, JJ, I feel you. That's my little writer boy. Okay, TTFN. Ta-ta for now. <laughs> Have you ever wanted something so bad you would do anything to get it? Surprising yourself with new behavior, becoming a different person, or unleashing the person you were always meant to be. That's how I feel about all the clues and evidence I brought in here in the garbage bags. I want to solve this case. But I also want back in the story game. And that ace up my sleeve? I really did write a techno thriller with adult situations a long time ago that I forgot about until recently. That's how come I said what I said to JJ. And just like that, I'm alone again. Me, my coffee, the birds, and a few dozen miniature liquor bottles I picked up in case I needed to celebrate a huge break in the case or some wonderful career news. I pour myself some tiny Tanqueray. I imbibe. Well, that's smooth. And the intoxicating effects of the fine liqueur weave like hot ribbons through my brain. I think about how lucky I am to have rediscovered my Y2 kit, my computer virus story, and how special that is. For the first time in a long time, I raise a glass to me. Remember my motto, conquer thyself, Connor. Conquer thyself. Right here in all. <laughs> <laughs> That's a teacher. You know those shows where an investigator with yarn stays up all night putting the pieces of a puzzle together and stapling photos to walls, searching for a big picture that ties everything together? Hashtag Charlie Day. I thought about doing that, but honestly, looking at Fiona Caruso's garbage and like creating a timeline or whatever, it seems like a lot of work. I mean, like a lot of work. Honestly, I got half a mind to say nuts to this. Popping on the free in-room Max and finding that Claire Forlani flick everyone's talking about. The one where there's a scene where she yells at a mime with her hands shoved into her pants pockets. But hey, as Marcus Aurelius said, the only way out is through. So as much as I'd love to spend the rest of the night with the theatrical stylings of Claire Forlani, I empty the garbage bags on the bed all around me. I'm in the eye of the storm of a person. A slew of Polaroids slides out like the last hand in a poker game, 
showing Fiona Caruso at her happiest. Head thrown back in laughter, acid-washed jeans with rips up and down the legs like she'd been playing basketball with tigers, and it was hard to tell who was winning. In another, she's with an exclusive-looking group, posing on a rooftop against the Seattle skyline at what appears to be an industry birthday party. All the main players are there. Tawny Gatherbrook, creator of the Gussie Lawton Mysteries, and John Jasper Lynx, the mind who brought us such taut suspense classics as Lion's Repose, Wee Willy Winky, and Death Prancer. The more I peruse this cache of letters and photos, the more I become intoxicated, not just with Tiny Liquor, but with her. Who was she? By the time I'm on my 13th Itsy Bitsy Rum, the photographs and words all blur together, and I find myself crawling over the evidence like a Halloween candy haul towards a set of cassette tapes in the Tupperware container, and I thank the hospitality god this place I'm at is retro enough to include an in-room boombox with cassette playing capabilities. Full drunk, like a groggy bear, I paw a labeled tape into the machine. My blurred vision briefly comes into focus as I notice the title written in thick marker on the cassette label. It reads, The Rise and Fall of Fiona Caruso. The year was 1994, and we were the children of the thrill. Stars burning our brightest high above the best city in the whole wide world. Seattle, Washington. The beating heart of the mass market thriller scene. And it was we, the pulse, who made it go thump, thump, thump in the night. The mad ones. The ones who lived life one page at a time. Thrill seekers. Always chasing that one special feeling. The feeling that would one day consume us all. Chasing the thrill. Thrill. Before all that downtown jazz and uptown snoot, I was just another farm girl with her nose stuck in a book. A real Anna Green Gables kind of chick with dreams of moving to the big city. Papa preached, but in the end, I traded cows for cafes, hay bales for high rises, barns for space needles. That was before I met him. All of them, but mostly him. If you're me, which I so was, you become a librarian. Hey, don't knock it. The work was good while it lasted. Besides, libraries have always felt sacred to me. I wasn't making buku bucks, but I got all the free photocopies a gal could dream of. And I got to work with my best friend, Jeannie, also known as only friend Jeannie, but who's asking? P.S. Nobody asked about Jeannie. One late night in the stacks, Alone in our practically empty gothic downtown building, Jeannie puffed a strand of hair out of her face and said to me, what do you want written on your page before the ink dries? I said, a good ending. I couldn't believe it when they came in. The authors, like professional real life authors, all giggling together and making a scene in the mystery section. Jeannie asked them to be quiet, and they made some crack about why we'd shelved all the thriller books in the mystery section, and they were all, like, mocking Jeannie for being so serious. Like, the whole time they had this way about them, like they were all in on the same secret. 
like they knew something we didn't. And that's when I locked eyes with him, the one with a rust-colored turtleneck and eyebrows. I was watching from afar as he stared right at me and held a finger to his lips. That was the first time I saw Luke. Me, I was never one for thrillers. Jane Eyre, Little Women, those were my go-tos. My snoring, boring go-tos. But, like, that night, something compelled me to check out a bunch of his books. Luke Pattersby stories. Mondo Bizarro, right? I stayed up all night reading them while inhaling my Chinese takeout. And when I looked up at the clock, it was time for work. But I didn't want to leave his world. I wanted to stay in the thrill. I finally met him. Like, in person. There was a thriller convention going on, and by then, I was a real Pattersby nut. Gosh, I must have freaked him out. Jeannie said I talked a mile a minute. I know it sounds cheesy, but when I finally got up there, it was like a reunion. He was magnetic. He felt like the sun, and I was one of a million tiny plants unfolding in his daylight. The source. And if that wasn't the bee's knees, then imagine the full-on Cagney dance routine my heart did when he invited me and Jeannie to an after-party with some of the other authors. A story jam. Just a few of us authors telling stories on the fly, I can tell you two would really appreciate it. You are librarians, after all. You could have knocked me over with a feather. I just about shot through the roof like a rocket. Jeannie wasn't so keen. She said... You barely know this guy. What if he's a creep? Or worse? Thanks, Mom. I know she was just looking out for me, but in the end, I had to tell that wet blanket to either come along or vamoose. She chose door number two, so me and Jeannie Two-Shoes said our goodbyes. And that was the last time I ever saw her. Here she married an up-and-coming dog breeder. Good for her. Good for Jeannie. The mansion where we went was way up in the trees of Washington, up some big, windy road. One of those fancy joints with a name like Turncrest Manor or some such belonged to a logging baron way back in the olden times. The place felt like a castle with a heartbeat, with its own gravitational pull. As I stared, eyes agog at a topiary shaped like a lion, Luke, as gracious as any host, said the words I'll never forget. Welcome to forever. Being inside this ornate stone womb felt like being in a giant cavern filled with tapestries and paintings and a big giant hearth. Like being in a museum with no velvet ropes. A few of the other guests snickered at me. I wasn't exactly Miss Popular in that crowd. Luke said I was his biographer, but the others could smell the truth. I was there as a fan, a pet, or a mouse, ready to be devoured by these lions of the mass market paperback industry. I got my fair share of stink eyes from the group. Quinn Mahoney, John Jasper Lynx, Chuck Chance, they all gave me the cold shoulder. But the rudest of all was Tawny Gatherbrook. The Tawny Gatherbrook. I thought she was going to knife me when no one was looking. Whatever. Never liked her writing anyway. Too predictable. Besides, who cares about all that mean girl junk? It was time to jam. We took seats by a roaring fire on a ring of plump purple cushions tasseled in glistening gossamer threads that held every orange flare of the nearby flames. It felt 
ceremonial? Tawny wanted me to sit on the ground, but Chuck Chance tossed a pillow my way, and that's when I knew, for better or for worse, I was officially in for the night. Then, all of a sudden, an ancient sound echoed through the halls of that great mansion. A sound that felt like it came from the night rattled the walls. Everyone dropped their eyes to the floor, all serious. Luke gestured with his eyes, too, like, just go along with it. I could feel Tawny cursing me like I wasn't worthy of what I was about to see. The horn sounded again, closer, and that's when he appeared. I still see him in my dreams, my nightmares, hear his barefoot steps slapping against the cobblestone floor like wet fish gasping for life. He wore a cloak, and his face was shielded by a mask, a mask made of twigs, gnarled, lifeless. He was tall, so the silky green robe with gold embroidery swayed like sheets of rain in a storm. Where did this guy come from? This twig man come from? The very mist of time? I remembered learning about the Eleusinian mysteries, you know? Full-on agrarian cult worship of Demeter and Persephone with, like, Hellenic reenactments and psychedelic rites. Was this mansion hall our Telesterian? Would there be, like, a blood penalty for spilling these esoteric secrets? I'm not even kidding. The mood was that serious. I'm talking total church vibes. You know how the book Frankenstein happened after Mary Shelley and some friends all got together to tell stories on a stormy night? And that's how that big ol' emo lug came to be? Well, it started out like that. Innocent with a dash of doom. Twigman stood before us. His eyes, if he had any, through the mask were holes. Deep. Empty. Forever. He produced something that excited the crowd. Made them eager to play in the sandbox of oral tradition. To have a story jam. I'd heard about this kind of thing at late nights in the coffee shop scene. About jammers. Telling tales off the top of their heads. Taking storytelling to exciting new heights. And come on, the chance to hear a brand new Pattersby joint live for the first time was like getting to listen to a hit Beatles tune when it was just a few strums and a hum in the heads of the Fab Four. Twigman then nodded to Tawny, his mask returning to shadow. Like the light rejected his very presence, I watched as an orange glow escaped the creases of his hand. Watched as he poured some dark liquid from a gourd covered in carvings that looked like it could have been a gift from Beowulf himself. I knew that smell anywhere. Fresh Java. Trust me, when you live in the Emerald City, you see all sorts of ways to serve Joe, but this wasn't your average barista fare. This was another level. A sacrament. I finally asked Luke who the man was. He chuckled and replied, That's the publisher. The publisher. The coffee was browner than the brownest brown, poured into a chalice, and the chalice, a shiny golden dish, was passed around the circle. Our shoes were off, my toes felt wiggly, and as the strange brew made its way to me, there were more than a few suspicious glares from some in the circle, specifically Tawny Gatherbrook. For the record, I normally don't drink weird beverages from hooded figures, but also I really wanted to stick it to Tawny, so chug-a-lug. 
It was coffee like I'd never tasted. Rich, full. Someone mentioned that the beans were a special strain, harvested from the soil where Joseph Campbell was buried. Maybe they were pulling my leg, but who knows? All I know is that when that Joe plunked deep down in my belly, I was alive, Daddy-o. And that's when the chanting began. I noticed my own lips moving and the words already falling out of my head. How did they get there, I wondered. And then, as natural as the tide, we all synchronized our breathing. I can't say how, it just kind of happened. And the whole time I'm thinking, wow, just wow. And that's when I really truly realized what was happening, why we're doing what we're doing. It was to summon her, the goddess of myth. We were summoning the muse. If I wasn't there myself, I wouldn't believe it either. But cross my heart and hope to die, out of nowhere the fire extinguished and in the darkness I felt something in that room, a presence, a real electric spiritual presence. And just like that, the flames returned. She was with us, the muse. Not as a being you could see or touch, she was in us. And she was there to serve there to serve us, there to serve the children of the thrill. In a frenzied state, Quinn Mahoney, author of Duck, Duck, Kill, stood up, ripped off her shawl, her scarves, vest, her earrings, her woven belt, her clogs, her thick socks, her culottes, and then eyes all rolled back and her head fell to the ground in nude convulsions. And without a second thought, we all descended upon her and embraced and hugged her like she was us and we were her, weeping. I don't know why, but I wept. And it felt like the first time I'd ever wept in my entire life. I mean, truly wept. And when the weeping was all done, we closed our eyes and dreamt. Dreamt of stories. Thrillers. Fresh, raw, delicious thrillers. Hotshot DAs on the run for their lives in San Francisco. Up-and-coming architects framed for the murder of a Beverly Hills mall mogul. Software execs having their lives destroyed by a powerful lady boss. Steamy interludes with hot-to-trot lovers. My imagination had never been zapped so primo as that night. I don't know if the java was spiked or what, but the things I saw in my head was full-on immersive in mind, body, and soul. It made the promise of VR look like tiddlywinks. And I never wanted it to end. I wanted to stay in the midst of the mad ones. I wanted to slake my thirst at this fountain we'd uncovered that night together in the rain. Slake my thirst at the fountain of the thrill. When I came to, it was morning, and Twigman was nowhere to be found. I found myself all alone, staring at the empty fireplace, exhausted from head to toe, like I'd just run an Ironman marathon twice. There was laughter nearby, throaty giggles. I followed the jubilance into the kitchen, and there, Tawny Gatherbrook fell on me, arms outstretched, embracing me like a sister. And there were all the others, the children of the thrill. There was Luke, toasting me with a cup of orange juice. Wakey, wakey, said Chuck Chance. John Jasper Lynx produced a knowing smirk, and the others erupted in laughter, which continued through a giant meal of breakfast, and my appetite had never been so large. I must have eaten 15 pancakes with extra syrup and seven boiled eggs. So, Luke asked, how did it feel to taste the thrill? My answer? 
delicious. Call it a cult if you like. That's what they do to belief systems that don't fit into cookie-cutter boxes, right? When you don't march to their drum. That's what Luke told me when things started to feel a little off, when the dreams never stopped. When the thrill consumed me. Sometimes, when I'm alone at night, I wonder if I hadn't channeled something much darker in that mansion. I can feel his eyes on me, the twig man. Feel his breath on my neck when I'm brushing my teeth and can swear he's watching me from the mirrors. But then I turn around and there's no one there, just me. I've given the thrillers a rest too. <laughs> well, reading them, I can't stop thinking of plots. It's like I shut my eyes and I'm there, no ritual needed. Luke's always asking me about what happens in all of them and it's only when I say the stories out loud that they seem to go away. Exercising them to make room for more. Sometimes I can't tell what is real and what is fantasy. I know it sounds crazy, but if anything ever happens to me or Luke, it will be because of him, because of the Twig Man. Finding Pattersby is written and directed by Ryan Sandoval, with music and sound design by Eric Jorgensen. This episode featured performances by Dan Gagliardi and Lily Sparks. Check out PattersPod.com and follow us on social media at PattersPod for updates, announcements, and all kinds of other neat stuff. You can also check us out on Patreon and Apollo Plus, where you'll find early release bonus content. If you're enjoying yourself, consider leaving a review to help others find what you've found. That would be awesome. And until next time, see you in the thriller pages. Wow.